Hello, Truck Show Podcast listeners. This episode was originally intended to be released on Monday, January 8th, but due to the timeliness of the content, we decided to debut it early. Our next show, the first Thursday short-form episode of 2024, will be released on the regularly scheduled date of Thursday, January 11th. Thank you for listening to the Truck Show Podcast, and enjoy the show. And now, our feature presentation. Happy 2024, ladies and gentlemen. It's Truck Show Podcast. My name is Lightning. He's Holman. Uh, what are you eating over there? That uh, looks like uh, popcorn, zebra popcorn. Zebra popcorn from Popcornopolis. My uh, yeah, my wife good? took her uh, uh, Costco gift card uh-huh. and uh, raided Costco. She sends me a picture a little while ago. Oh, my God. That's good. It says, this is my impulse buy. And then about five minutes ago, she got home, and I went in to uh, find Whoa. Lightning some uh, some sugar. And she goes, well, just take this bag out there. And I'm like, this might be overkill. She goes, yeah, I, I don't really want it in the house. Just take it. Dude, that is crack. Dude, it oh is. My, I, holy mackerel, that is good. It's so sweet. My teeth are hurting. Wow. All right. Mm. On this truck show podcast, we are- we, You get to guess. Say what? You get to guess. Get to, We get to guess who's on the show? They get to guess how much weight the two of us uh, gained <laughs> over the holidays. <laughs> no, on this episode alone. Oh, my God. I got Dr. Pepper. I got- mm-hmm. Oh, hold on. Checking in with my diabetes. <laughs> On this episode oh of the Truck Show Podcast, kicking off the year, we're just going to eat. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be like all the other years. Uh-huh. So we, like you, are very curious about what is up with Cummins having to pay the government $1.67 billion. Sex, uh, what, a million trucks? With a B. That's a $1.67 billion. Dollars. 10 years of, uh, of Ram HD production, so uh, somewhere around a million trucks. So we decided that uh, we were going to kick off the new year by uh, getting educational. So we figured we would call our good friend Corey Willis from PPEI, who is no stranger to uh, the EPA and fines. And then we also figured we would call uh, Peter Tridy over at SEMA Garage's uh, emissions lab to uh, kind of fill uh, us in on his perspective and, and what they see when it comes to testing new vehicles and making aftermarket parts. And also want to kick off, this is the first episode of 2024, but it will not be the only episode this week because starting this week, the Truck Show Podcast is going to two episodes a week, one long form, which is this one, our normal interview and uh, kind of the rest of the show, and then a short form have you heard episode that'll drop on Thursdays, and that'll be about a 15, 20 minute episode, we promise. Uh, <laughs> Why would you lie right to their ears? Because I feel like I'm not lying right now. I feel like what I, I believe in what I'm saying. Okay. So before we get into uh, the first of our two episodes this week, we have to thank, of course, Nissan, our presenting sponsor. They've been with us since the beginning. If you're in the market for a new truck, head on down to your local Nissan dealership where you can check out the Titan, the Titan XD, or the hot selling midsize Nissan Frontier, which been driving for uh, the past month. I noticed the tires are particularly muddy. Uh, it definitely went off-road, and uh, I just, I love that truck. I, I, I know Nissan supports the show, and they're like, hey, here's Frontier, drive it for a while, talk about it on the show. It's so comfortable, it's the right size, it's so easy to drive around town, yet you can still tow a decent-sized trailer, throw a payload in the back. How does it feel? It feels great. No, 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 I mean, like, does it feel, does it feel heavy, no, does it solid. feel nimble? No, it's just, it feels solid. Okay. It's just a solid truck, there's no creaks, there's no rattles. It's got all the things you want, nothing you don't. We've driven on family trips to you know mother-in-law's house, things like that, with all four of us in there. No problems at all. Everybody had enough room. Everybody was comfortable. And I'm like, you know what? I miss having a mid-size truck. I've had so many full-size trucks. I'm like, this thing's just like the perfect truck. So if you are looking for the perfect truck, you can go to NissanUSA.com where you can use the build and price tool and you can see what options and what features you can get on your future Nissan pickup. 
And if you're looking for the perfect driving experience out of your truck or car that's feeling sluggish, you push the pedal down and you can count to 10 before something actually happens, you need to go to bankspower.com, type in your year, make, and model, and find the Pedal Monster throttle controller that's right for your car or truck. It gets rid of the throttle latency and makes it feel sporty again. There's all sorts of patented safety features that blow away the competition. If you've seen any of the throttle controllers on Facebook or Instagram or wherever else, they are literally junk and dangerous by comparison. Put the excitement back in your car truck safely by heading over to bankspower.com to find your pedal monster. Before we get into the jingle, I know uh, you had a really good experience with a recent guest we just had on, Miles from Caskin. Mm-hmm. Apparently, uh, Daddy Warbucks over here purchased his uh, <laughs> kid a full interior for a Scion TC. What's up with that? I may have. And what I didn't expect is when they came to the house, by the way, we, we did their pilot program. Okay. Where they came, I don't know if it's all areas, but yeah. they in the Long Beach area where I'm at, they had a dude, he came over in a Caskin truck, and I wasn't there. The wife's like, why is there a big truck with a cow on the side? I'm like, like go get it, the cow and the leather. So I explained it did to her. Did she they, think that was for her Porsche? No, that came with leather. <laughs> oh, you found out about that? <laughs> <laughs> Moving yeah, right along. Yeah, okay, so anyway. So the wife went out there, greeted them. They 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 gutted the car. They put all the amazing leather in. So I, it was it's absolutely incredible. I, I just shout out to Catskin for making amazing products and making my eighteen year old's uh, Christmas really rad. It's gonna suck when uh, somebody thinks his car is too nice and steals it right off your street how, in Long Beach, how, California. How dare you? The truck show. We're gonna show you what we know. We're gonna answer what the truck. We have the lowered and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The truck show, the truck show, the truck show, oh, oh. It's the truck show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. Yes, it yeah. is. And we are back uh, after the uh, first time taking a week off in uh, over a year. Did we take a year off? Uh, I'm sorry. Did we take a week off last year? I don't remember. Mm. I think we should have. In, I think that in six years, we've only taken like three weeks off. Yeah, something like that. We're just idiots. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we tried to uh, front load it and we, we threw a bunch of social to remind you of all the cool episodes we had at the end of the year. So hopefully you guys found that helpful in finding shows and things like that. Got a lot going on this year. Again, we got the two episodes. We're going to try and uh, build out our affiliate page online in our events. So we definitely uh, thank everybody who sent in events for oh, yeah, our events Oh, you guys page. got wild. Yeah. You sent us a bunch. So, Just so like keep that up. It was like a flurry over the holidays. Like, we okay. we want to be the destination for uh, for truck events. So, uh, so keep those coming our way. All right. Uh, big news happened over Christmas break, and that was the breaking news that the uh, EPA and DOJ was going after Cummins for, quote unquote, defeat device and and cheating emissions were come and said, hey, we are in negotiations to pay this uh, fine, well, let me, let we're me, not going to admit any this. wrongdoing. And, you know, you see those, uh, you know, press releases coming out all the time and they're like, government levies fine. And, and corporation says, well, we admit no wrongdoing, but we'll pay you the fine. You kind of think, like, what's up with that? So we got a couple people that we invited on the show today. And uh, they're going to help kind of give us their insight and their thoughts on it. And first person we're going to call is our friend Corey Willis from PPEI. All right, I am dialing Mr. Corey Willis. Hello. 
Is this a He-Man hunk of the earth, Corey Willis? Wow. Recently he's felt, lost, uh, <laughs> lost a bunch of weight and looks uh, attractive these days? He-Man hunk of the earth. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Damn. Man, I have not, uh, I haven't heard it described like that, but I'll, I mean, I'll he's gonna take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get into it and, and talk to Corey, I have a quote really quick here. Corey was talking to one of his, one of his fans. Before you do that, here. would you say that he is, uh, he is Adonis level yet? Has he achieved that? I think he's. <laughs> I, honestly, I think he's too short for Adonis. Oh, do you? Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. I don't uh, think he's ever. Unless he's going to go to some like you think really like, tall shoes. He's like a a, a mid tier guy, but like the top of the tier in uh, in male beauty. Is that what you're saying? Like top of the middle, wrong? <laughs> I think I'm going to say he's a, he's like a he's like a eight and three quarters out of ten. Would you call him a gorgeous man? I might. <laughs> watch the, I watched this. I watched this short. I think it was like Justin Waller or something like that. And he's like, "Look, you can be ugly. However, if you have six pack, your chances of being more attractive are that much higher." So I just went ahead and took that route. <laughs> so this guy, uh, Mark, is chatting with Corey online, and he says, "Corey, it's nice to know that we all have a Gail Banks twin around in this world for now and the future." I think it's awesome. He quoted. He, he a lot of at, flourish on that. Yeah, he's uh, he's looking at Corey Who's that, as the next Mark Mark Gentle, whoever Mark Gentle is. Uh, <laughs> gentle, Gentile, Gentle. Okay, does he think that Corey's dreamy? Is that where this is coming from? Does he have stars and hearts in his eyes. <laughs> I think that Corey's dreamy. Oh, you no, think? Okay, but Mark just thinks he's the next Gail Banks. All right. All right. Which is a huge compliment, I think. Right? That, this is the most a great compliment. This is the most I've awkward seen, start I've to seen a... Gail's, I've seen Gail's shoe size, and I'm telling you right now, I can't I can't feel that shoe. He wears massive shoes. You can't unsee so, the man's shoe size? Yeah. <laughs> All right, we have a quick but, intro no, to play. I mean, it's, it's quite impressive. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Truck famous hero, star, VIP, ace, big wig, hot shot. Truck famous, big shot, big deal, big gun, big cheese, heavyweight, superstar. Truck famous, that's what you are. Truck famous. All right, Mr. Some 80s porno sound and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Which one are you? Don't act like y'all didn't have that conversation before. Like, hey, does it kind of sound like, no, no, man, no, it's good. It's good. They won't think that. Somebody may have mentioned brown chicken, brown cow at some point. That's right. all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's good. Nice to talk to y'all again. All right. So, Corey, we're talking about Dieselgate, the modern day Dieselgate, not the one that happened with Volkswagen or the one that happened with Ram trucks and the Eco Diesel some time ago. About when was that 15 16 somewhere in that era but now 1.67 billion dollar fine to Cummins specifically for clean air act violations but the weird part is that no one really knows what happened or how they violated the clean air act and all that the ceo says is that we can't find any wrongdoing what say you well, I mean, I don't think any of us really have any of the facts yet. Um, a few folks that I know that I would I would thought would have the facts, they, those guys actually don't even know. So, it, you know, it's really hard to say what the cause is. But one thing I know we can say is that the EPA will call pretty much any – they've expanded the language of defeat device to further than what people think of, right? So a lot of folks think defeat device means that it's actually like a physical device of some sort. But you can alter timing in the tuning file in such a way that doesn't satisfy the emissions, and they would still classify in that small change a defeat device. Mm. So they're basically calling anything that doesn't pass emissions or, or anything even a change within the calibration that doesn't pass emissions a defeat device. 
the, the only thing that's weird to me is, is, you know, I look at data logs every single day. I see the knocks. I see the, the, I see the, the, the set accumulation. Yeah, I see the overall operation of the vehicle easily on just a Cummins, a minimum of 20 plus times a day, very minimum. So when I see these things, I have to personally, you know, look and make sure everything's in order to try to help diagnose whatever issue or if the truck's sound. You know, sometimes people pay us just to look at a day log of their truck to see if it looks good. It's like, ah, looks good or, oh, nope, Knox is reading a little bit high right here. But we can do that off of an average of the amount of volume that we see all the time. So what strikes me more than anything is if suddenly there was a defeat device or, or unless it was from day one, which I don't think is necessarily possible because you know I've passed carbon emissions with this stuff as well. I haven't seen any change. So that's where I'm very curious of what they're calling a defeat device. And I think it's interesting that Cummins actually doesn't admit any wrongdoing and basically is holding their ground of, we don't think we necessarily did anything wrong, but we're going to settle this. So this affects 2013 to 2023 <clears throat> Cummins 6.7 liter diesels. It's important to note that this particular engine started back in 07 and a half for it was put into Ram trucks, as you know. But it's very specific to this generation, 13 to 23. And to right. affect all of them, I can't wrap my head around that. It's well, then walk me through this. So I, I've heard, and I don't know, but it sounds like during COVID, there was a sensor that was either removed or wasn't available. So they tried to put the sensor's job into the ECM to use the other sensors to kind of calculate the emissions output and adjust from there. But didn't there wasn't uh, uh, some sort of like a dispensation or something from the government saying, yes, this is okay for you to do. And, and now they're going back and saying maybe that thing's not okay. Or we just, we just don't know what we don't know yet. Yeah. We kind of don't know what we don't know yet, but you know, the only thing, you know, and, and my opinion, you know, is it, is it, is it worth a ton? Right. Because I mean, we, none of us really know what's going on, but you know, what I can come from is, if, if there was something that changed or something weird between those models or Cummins updated the software to, to inhibit something, I mean, I just, I, I just, I would have seen this, you know, it, it's not like really a guess to me. It's like, okay, well, then the only change that we had between these years whatsoever was whenever this particulate matter sensor, the PM sensor uh, deal came out. And I remember that this was an issue for me because I had a, uh, I think Milliken had the same error where a readiness monitor wasn't setting. And so it's like, why is this readiness monitor not setting? Like, so I take and I send a stock file for that truck and the readiness monitor still doesn't set. And so we do a good bit more digging. And I find out that there was a file that Cummins had that they were using and it had uh, approval and all this stuff. That works. So it's like, okay, so we use the OEM file that they had. And it's like, now the it was okay that the monitor wasn't setting. But whenever I looked in the file, because I was curious, it's like, how does this work? And you can see that they basically just modeled it, which is nothing wrong with that. Like that's a lot of manufacturers do that. Let's explain what you're talking about. So you need to get your truck smogged in, in many states, right? And in order to do that, these monitors, multiple monitors in the ECM, they're checking various things and your truck will not pass a smog check or it's not even ready for a smog check until these monitors are Online, ready to go. Basically. Online, thumbs up, 
you guys have probably, as listeners, gone into a smog shop and the guy says, ah, your monitors aren't ready. You need to go put 500 miles on the truck and come back, right? That's what we're talking about with these monitors. So because this particulate matter sensor wasn't available during COVID, they basically bypassed the physical sensor and then just modeled what the sensor would do in the ECM, kind of wrote an algorithm, yeah. and then it was kind of a fake sensor. Is that a good description? Well, I wouldn't Corey? call it a fake sensor. I would call it a virtual sensor. Virtual sensor, the better description. Is that Correct. Okay. Correct. Virtual sensor. Nailed it. Yeah, you're, you, that's exactly accurate. And the thing to me, though, is just between the trucks that would have it or wouldn't have it, like all of my data looks the same. Like this thing works perfectly fine. So I, I don't know the situation that happened, but you know, I, I couldn't have, I wouldn't have put it past someone with one of these these setups would have went and tried to get the truck smog and it not work. And then that specific vehicle end up having X amount more output than another one, but it was probably still within the range. But that would be enough for the EPA to be able to come back around, trigger it and say, hey. Y'all have a problem. But again, that was that's a COVID, it. though. This happened during COVID, and they're saying engines back to 2013 were defeating the emissions. So, so, that, so what that, makes that, me that, wonder is, are they moving the goalpost? Are they going back in time and going, well, what we really meant by that language back there is this, so that now we're going to go find these companies who maybe met the standard back then, but the language has changed, which seems you know pretty lame to me. Or... Was there a standard that Cummins was supposed to meet back in 2013 that they never did and maybe promised? Or is there any documentation? I mean, you would have to have the baseline file or I guess the SEMA or any of these laboratories that do emissions testing would have to have what the EPA says was the max NOx output, max particulate, et cetera, right? That would be public, correct, Corey? Correct. And Mm. we've used that and we've met them. And like, whenever I look at data logs, like they've been within it and let's say, so I've thought about the angle you just came from. And the, the only thing that, you know, devil advocates on it was, well, if they had an agreement in 13 or they had had an earlier agreement to get somewhere, well, then surely they would have done it on the new, the new models, you know, like there's, it's Cummins, <laughs> they're, they're, they're on a different level. Hmm. So it's like, if there was something to meet, they, they would have met it. Yeah. I can't imagine that they, there would be. You know, Bob left his job and they hadn't filled it for six months. And that six months was the transition time. And Sally came in there or something like that and was like, oh, uh, guys, we forgot to re-up with the government on this really important emissions you know, certification for, I don't know, seven years ago. Seven, yeah, whatever the millions of, of engines <laughs> yeah. that we've put now, out are. And, you know, if we go back in history, like Cummins was fined for emissions in 1998. And then I think in 2010, they were uh, they were fined again. So. Who knows? Maybe they just want to go like, you know, 12 or 15 years and just catch fines. <laughs> now, Corey, Corey, is it true that there are different emissions groups? So, for example, you might have a Cummins back that was released in 2013, but then in 2019, the rules change. EPA gets a little tighter and they say you can have less NOx and less pollutants coming out of the tailpipe. And so these vehicles released in that year range get a more stricter emissions code. And then a few years later, it happens again and again. First, is that true? And if so, that would have caught it at some point, right? Correct. Yeah, that would have caught it. And then on top of that, it's not just Cummins doing emissions testing on these things, you know, with with certified labs. I mean, there's tons of companies that even not a there's tons of tuning companies. There's tons of of military uh, operations, tons of stuff that people are doing upfitting on and then having to do testing again. And 
I talked to a lot of these folks and no one's seen any issues. <laughs> so that's where it's kind of mind boggling was for them to catch something that's wrong. Then some, one of us in the industry should have failed a test at carbs. So was carbs testing actually what's at fault? Because we've passed them. And so have many others with stuff that I would assume if they're charging for all these year models, I mean, I mean, the initial testing, the carb would have had to have been wrong. What that's, was, that's where I'm kind of stuck is, you know, did Cummins do anything wrong? And did the EPA set up a, a test designed to fail worse than what it would have been? I wouldn't put that through the realm of possibility because that's what they did by using the 6.4 diesel from uh, the Spartan Technologies truck that they use now as a baseline of how bad all deleted vehicles are. There was zero variables, and that was a worst-case scenario truck. Now, granted, none of them is going to pass, but they used one that was so far out of the realm of reality that it makes all the other testing look terrible without any variables associated. So I think what I would like to know is, is what was the defeat device? I don't think there was one. I personally am taking the stance that I don't think Cummins did anything wrong. If they did, they did it not knowingly and the epa or someone changed the goalpost or changed the language of something because they are very consistent at changing uh their interpretation of what laws and language are they just keep expanding it well and i, I would say uh the current administration uh, seems to have you know be a dog with a bone let's say <clears throat> uh when it comes to anything quote-unquote uh green or whatever their you know progressive agenda is on on climate change and things like that so to me, it doesn't sound like it's out of the the you know realm of possibility that the goalpost was moved or they're reinterpreting language that was already out there and need to fund something. So they're like, well, hey, we need some money. Let's go find some people to fund. Oh, well, we got this gray area here in 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 this legislation. Let's let's enforce it to the full extent of it and go after some people. You know, I just yeah, it, it's crazy. Just, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> and I think it's interesting too. A company, you know, I'm not going to get on a, a a sorry me post here, but. You know the amount that Cummins got fined was was quite dramatic. I I do agree, but when you when you compare that to what Cummins annual revenue is, I think thirty three billion yeah. versus what the actual fine amount was. Compare that to my annual revenue. Yeah. <laughs> versus what my fine amount was. I I did you know they they made a said one hundred eighty five thousand trucks for me, and my annual revenue was less, but my fine amount by percentage was higher than theirs with less trucks. It's just they're inconsistent. There's no oversight at the EPA. And what I'm learning is as well, and, and kind of firsthand experience, is there's actually a large disconnect between the some of the lead engineers at the EPA's agenda, like to do their jobs properly with all the variables factored, versus what the Department of Justice yeah. uh, is. There is a very large disconnect in there. And, you know, I, I don't want to say that the EPA is a weaponized organization for the Department of Justice, but the collection amounts go into the Department of Justice. Hmm. So I think uh, personally that we're going to see this was just the start. I think this is going to be a snowball effect. And I think they're going after I think they're going after diesels in general. Yeah. I mean, to they try to push the green agenda. They've already I, I don't think Cummins did anything wrong. They've already gone after the 1500s. There's almost nothing left except for the uh, three liter in the uh, in the um, GMs. Now, I've heard a rumor that I don't necessarily subscribe to that uh, Ford is bringing a version of the Lion out for the F-150 again. I don't think that's the case, but who knows? For all intents and purposes, light duty diesel 
you know, under 8,800 GVWRs dead in America, with a couple exceptions mentioned here in a, a second ago. But I think they want to go after heavy duties next. And then this is the natural progression of pushing that out. I really think that yes. that your comment about snowballing to affect it, but they also have to be careful because a lot of those, like we talked about before you came on the call, a lot of those manufacturers are providing military and industrial and power for, you know, infrastructure and all, all that kind of stuff. So like they have to be really careful because if they kill off that industry, they actually hurt themselves in some of the agenda building that they want to do. So, cause it's, it's not like that mine that's being, you know, stripped for rare earth minerals is doing it with electric tractors right now. Right. I mean, you have to Correct. still have diesel moves the world, whether it's a, a, a train, a boat, a agriculture, whatever, you know, as, as these other technologies come online, we're still 10, 15, 20 years away. And I think they want to kill off the diesel faster than they have a, a no replacement, a replacement. Yeah. yeah. That technology ready to go for what the EPA is saying. The amount of deleted trucks in America is right. Whenever on my paperwork, they had showed me 500,000 with their estimation of deleted vehicles in America, uh, which I, I think they're highly underestimating that, <laughs> but <laughs> how many, if you had to guess, wait, vehicles. hold on, Corey, how do you think there's over a million emissions defeated consumer vehicles on the road? Um, I would be willing to say over just the past probably three years, there's probably at least half a million on the road. And all the calibrations for the most part came out of Russia and China because there's no one in America doing it anymore. So everyone's basically getting a calibrations out of Russia and China off of these websites. And then they turn around and they'll hook up with a company in Canada and just sell it out of Canada. Mm. But it's not originating in Canada. Now there, there's probably a couple of very, very extremely rare exceptions, but I'd say 95% of everything I've seen is pretty much the same files, same stuff. And it's coming out of Russia and China. And so <laughs> to make matters even worse, it's cheaper in, in most cases now, now not what you see on Facebook and whatnot, but what we, we see people, saying is you know well i bought it off of that website for 300 bucks and did it in my garage and it was 800 dollars said none what people have learned as well is hey i have access to the same stuff that rather stolen or attacked or what or it's or it's built out of those countries i can go and find this on amazon or i can find it wherever download it off of a backwoods website and hey i got everything everybody else has so i've seen that type of stuff spread like wildfire now, it actually benefits us because if people don't know what they're doing with the files and they send it to the wrong truck, then, you know, it has issues. So it's a guessing game and that makes it bad and makes it more unreliable. But at the end of the day, the volume's there. People are knocking it out the park. And the only thing that's happened is now there's no tax revenue in America and the files are coming from out the country. So, yeah, government might come in with good intentions, but I think historically proven generally government uh, – has an opposite effect of the what, what they generally are trying to accomplish. Yeah, I mean, look, the the harder they fight the drug war, the more drugs come in. Well, they're not fighting it or very hard. I well, mean, they, they I mean, were in the 80s and all that, be, yeah. you know, like when eh. we were kids. Yeah, I mean, consumer-facing, sure. Yeah, and so the FDA can get their hands on it and then legalize it for their own purposes. Agreed. <laughs> I mean, we could oh, really wait, 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 all right. Like let's uh, we can really easily put on our tinfoil hats here yeah, and go down the right, rabbit hole. Right, right. right. Dun, dun, so, dun, dun, dun. by the way, that's going to be my new uh, podcast in 2024. It's just going to be called the uh, Tinfoil Hat Chat, and uh, it's just going to be uh, me and a bunch of friends with voice changers, uh, oh, just just uh, espousing all sorts of uh, rando stuff. Tinfoil Hat Chat. So, <laughs> Attorney General Merrick B. Garland 
sums up. Can this. you boo him really quick? All right, thank you. <laughs> Violations of our environmental laws have a tangible impact. They inflict real harm on people and communities across the country. This historic agreement should make clear that the Justice Department will be aggressive in its efforts to hold accountable those who seek to profit at the expense of other people's health and safety. And, and listen, I'm not saying that we don't want to be, you know, have clean air and all that. We've said this a million times on the show. I want clean air and water like everybody else. But you can't be like, oh, well, that emissions goes away with carbon credits. Let's just trade, right? I mean, like, it's ridiculous. that They aren't really going after the things. Otherwise, they would be going after a lot of other industries because the automotive industry uh, is really clean. There's a lot of other places where they could they could make that up. So, I, I, well, I mean, you take a ship, a ship, a ship that'll leave America, go to Af- Africa, pick up the, the minerals and bring them back, that one trip there and back consume more fuel than what the EPA states all of these trucks combined do. So it's like, really? <laughs> like, they know this argument is just beyond weak. Well, and then I, I read a story uh, on a website called Transport and Environment that said, uh, luxury cruise giant emits 10 times more air pollution than all of Europe's cars. And there's a study that said Carnival, which is the world's largest luxury cruise operator, emitted nearly 10 times more sulfur oxide around European coasts than did all 260 million European cars in 2017. A new analysis by a sustainable transport group, Transport and Environment, uh, reveals Royal Caribbean Cruises, the world's second largest, is second, yet four times worse than the European car fleet. Uh, SOX emissions form uh, sulfate, SO4 aerosols, that increase human health risk and contribute to uh, acidification in terrestrial and aquatic environments. So, I mean, I, listen, I'm not, I, I, it's so hard because somebody's going to go, oh, you just hate the environment. I'm like, no, but I also no. believe in industry. I also believe in freedom. And there's got to be a balance. There's a, there's a middle ground there, right? Like, I don't want people like rolling coal, they you know, go down the street. But, they can't stop trade. They can't stop ships. Yeah. It's the only way that we're getting all of our Chinese imports and everything else, right? <laughs> and we're shipping out everything else. Like, they can't do it. And they won't run on electricity and they can't run on solar. Yeah. There's literally yeah. no other way to do it yet. And so they have well, to go hope. Like it doesn't happen. It runs on hope. <laughs> and, and like one thing that we need to remember is, is that it was never, ever, ever the federal government's responsibility to tell the rest of the United States how to live their lives. It's the state's responsibility to, to tell people what is allowed in their state. And then if you don't like the laws of that state, then you go to another state where it works. So if one guy doesn't like what's going on over here, you can go to that other one. Yeah, but Corey, can we, but can for we the be honest? For, government, can we be honest for a second here? I mean, dude, yeah. basically, um, that's backwards because all of us in California, we're like exporting people to kind of ruin your states and stuff. Just saying. Not Corey's yet. <laughs> not, <laughs> not Louisiana yet. It's not well, got yeah, to Yeah, it's getting close. It's in Texas. <laughs> yeah, I think, I don't know. We'll have to see how all that plays out. Because like, <laughs> you know, for example, during co- like like during COVID, you know, with all the restrictions and everything else in Louisiana, like at least where I'm at, if you followed all the restrictions, no one went in your store. Like you're, you're not going to have any business. No one's going in there. Yeah. So <laughs> what do you do? You know, likewise, one of the, whenever the bars closed down, they'd come back around and actually had people defend the bars to say, you can't tell us that we can't stop. You don't see that on the news, but those things are happening out here. So, you know, with residents coming from other states to influence, you know, maybe some parts of states and cities will handle it. But, you know, I know where I'm at, like we, we straight up just wouldn't tolerate it. 
Just look up Huntington Beach, California, where uh, yeah. I hail from, and uh, I'm in a little little enclave of freedom here in California. And that's beautiful uh, out there. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right, you cool. know, uh, and, and uh, California is awesome, man. I, I love California. It's just you know the, the big cities kind of got things weird. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's amazing, amazing scenery, amazing yeah. weather, amazing natural resources, amazing. Do we, we ever talk about parks? this, Holman? Where so the first time Corey was ever in California, he went to the SEMA laboratory uh-huh. where yep. f- where Peter Trady runs, yep. right? The SEMA garage. Which, by the way, we're talking to Peter right after you. Anyway, so Corey comes into Azusa, which is where Banks is, uh-huh. and I go, so how how much of California have you seen? He goes, oh, nothing. This is my first trip. I go, wait, you're seeing the armpit? Yeah. I mean, it's not, <laughs> not the, the armpit. armpit. It's, just, no. it's an industrial yeah, area, yeah. right? It's just industrial, it's big, the nice part. big mauve industrial yeah. buildings, right? And I said, so wait, you haven't been to the beach yet? He goes, no, no, I got to go home tomorrow. This night. I said, no, you're not. I called up my buddy Brad, and you know Brad, yeah. little bald Brad, and yep. I, call, I said, Brad, what are you doing this week? And he goes, I'm just hanging out. And he's like the unofficial mayor of Hermosa Beach. Uh-huh. The other HB. And it's true. The other HB, exactly. And he's this little bald guy that just walks in the back door of every bar on you know on Main Street, you know, on the pier. And so I I, I called Brad and said, Hey, I've got a guy from out of town and he you can you hang out with him and schmooze him? I'm dropping him off at your house. Brad's got a, a rooftop. That's hilarious. Pool. You're like, I'm dropping a dude off. You just need to go, you know, take him around for a no, while. No, but Brad's <laughs> I knew Brad would be down for it, and he was. So so Corey's supposed to fly out the next day. He extends his trip four more days. Nice. And he calls in his best friend. He flies in his buddy so nice. now there's just three of them and they're like i'm not gonna say they got hammered but they were having fun listen uh so Bro, we had a blast brad was fun socal where we live is probably one of the only places in the world you can surf in the morning and snowboard in the afternoon i mean it's it's literally that close it's, that's that's Corey's next awesome. trip people gonna, people yeah. realize like yes. how mountainous and flat it all is at the same time i mean within two hours you're you, you've seen desert mountains beaches everything we 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 we're lucky. We're uh, we're blessed. Maybe not by some of the rulemaking, but uh, definitely from the location. I don't know if I ever told Coaching's you the story. Awesome. My my wife one day. I, we got a bunch of friends leaving because everybody lives here knows people who are leaving. And she's kind of like, oh, you know, everybody's leaving. Like, wh- where would we go if we left? And I'm like, well, I I think I'd like to do like something you know, really red like Wyoming because I think they're like sixty or seventy percent. Right. Like, I'm gonna go hang out with those guys. She's like, ah, but it snows there. I'm like, oh. All right, I'm like, you know, Tennessee, Kentucky's <laughs> kind of cool. The Smoky Mountains, really kind of love that that part of the country. She goes, ah, they have freezing rainstorms and everybody's moving there and the traffic's getting worse. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I go, well, how about like the Gulf Coast? You know, you go Alabama or Florida. A little goes, muggy, though. She's like, oh, bugs, crocodiles, alligators, like, like huge mosquitoes. Oh, yeah. and I'm like, ah, okay, okay. I'm like, you know, well, we can always do what everybody else does, go to Arizona or Nevada. She goes, too hot, too hot. And I'm like... You're basically telling me you want to live someplace that has 70% humidity and 70% temperature year-round. She goes, yeah. I go, we live there. We're here now. You can't, you can't replicate it. This you is can't why, replicate it. This is why we're not leaving. <laughs> so, oh, anyway. It's amazing. All right. That's, yeah, I, I fell in love with California. It is freaking nice. All right, Corey, next time you're on the show, we're going to talk PPEI, Power Performance Enterprises, Inc. So we're going to talk your your new 50-state uh, compliant tunes. That's right, 50-state emissions compliant tunes. And we'll talk about your side-by-side racing, UTVs. I don't think Holman knows that Corey Willis is now the fastest in the country, or second fastest, which is it? Depends <laughs> well, if you it would believe his Instagram what or not. Series you're doing. <laughs> what? Yeah, it would depend on what series, but for what it's worth, like I haven't announced this yet, so this is the first anyone's hearing it, but uh, Travis Pastrana and Nitro Cross uh, are doing uh, a thing in Vegas. They invited, I think uh, it was 10 or 12 of the top 
racers in the country to do it. And it's, uh, it's going to be a very cool format. I don't know what I can and can't say, but it's going to be a very cool format. And I got invited. So well, don't say uh, it yet. We'll do, we'll talk about I'm this excited. on a future episode. Yes, <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get you back. Yeah, Suffice we'll it that. to say is not, he, he's not a one trick pony with just diesel. No. All right. And when the, uh, one gotcha. last thing, just because, uh, guys who, who follow you or maybe follow you loosely through the, the truck show podcast, what is the latest with your deal? Because I know you still had a few kind of hurdles that you had to overcome before you truly kind of were able to exhale and, and have all this stuff behind you. What, what's the status of, of your situation and your fight with the EPA? Um, well, <laughs> it's it's not what it was. I could say that. It's it's not uh, I'm not being harassed and attacked and having to spend $50,000 a month on attorney. So that's kind of nice. Still got some hurdles and and I'll be honest, like at this point in time, I mean, it's, it's, it's just so political. So we're, we're playing a lot of politics. We got a lot of politicians involved and it's Louisiana. The state of Louisiana is now involved. It's, it's getting really, really, really weird. So (laughs) I don't know what's to come of it. I just know that I'm more than willing to walk around with the knives in my back just so people can absolutely see that they actually put knives in your back. Well, and I'll, so I'll, I'll say we'll this. We'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> you you have been incredibly transparent on your Facebook and social pages, talking to people, and you haven't been afraid to still stand your ground and, and say what you think, exercise your First Amendment right for where you think you were wronged and what you think is going on. And so a lot of people who aren't you would f- have folded long ago and said, you know what, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. I want to go live my life and be left alone. And, and, and you fought every step of the way and you were transparent to show other people the battle that you're going through and i just wanted to say thank you because from the outsider looking in you're like good for that dude he he's standing up for his, his ideals his convictions and there he's not going to let them litigate him out of his belief system so uh, i appreciate you being honest and upfront with uh, with your audience well thank you man yeah i mean i just think about the scenario of you know whenever my grand you know let's say i have grandkids one day and you know what's the legacy of grandpa well i don't want part of that legacy to be well I gave up that, that can't be part of the conversation. If I'm going to leave a legacy that's worth following. So we just do what we got to do as men. Yet he has a legacy with Brad in Hermosa beach. <laughs> yes. <he did. laughs> Love behind here in California. <laughs> that's awesome. We can't talk about anything. Right. Though. That's, no, no, no. That's, that's statute of limitations. Yeah, aren't I? All right. Exactly. All right, Corey, got to go. <laughs> Corey Willis, okay, PPEI. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Thanks brother. Thank you. All right, So that was one perspective. Now it's time to get another from Peter Trite. Peter has been on the show quite a few times. Peter is the Compliance Center Manager for SEMA, the Specialty Equipment Market Association. He's got an office up in Diamond Bar, California, somewhere between Huntington Beach and my office at Banks. And they do compliance testing. So if Holman decided he wanted to come out with an exhaust system for a vehicle and he wanted that to meet the California Air Resource Board compliance, Peter would uh, help him achieve that. Go find Peter and say, hey, help. uh, help." Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But he's probably the the best uh, resource as far as uh, the industry goes for the aftermarket. And uh, he works with obviously both the OE side because he's got to get baselines for all these vehicles. And he works with the companies who want to modify them. So I think he really straddles that line and probably has uh, the most visibility of anyone we know on both sides of the conversation. All right, it's time to call Mr. Peter Trite. Hello. Mr. Peter Trite, Lightning and Holman, Truck Show Podcast. Long time. How's it going? All right, Holman, how you guys doing? Good to hear from you. We're doing better than the diesel industry. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> Things are shaking up a bit, it sounds like. A little bit. Hey, before we get your perspective on this, we have a quick intro to play. Don't move. Oh, it's time to talk tech. Oh, yes, it's time to talk tech. We want to 
you understand more, please help us understand more. We really want to know as much as we can about the subject matter at hand. We found a person who can help us understand the information because we don't even have a clue. Tech Talk. I'll take that. All right, so Peter, you're aware of the $1.67 billion fine that Cummins is uh, has, I think, agreed to pay? It, it looks, I don't know, I can't I can't glean whether they've paid it, they're going to pay it, I, or I they're going to fight it. Yeah, I think they agreed to, accepted it, but with no uh, fault or no responsibility of doing wrongdoing, I think is where it landed. Yeah, and I, I think it, uh, the word something like, uh, they've, they've agreed in principle to pay it. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how that really shakes out. But uh, it's a big fine for sure. It covers Ram trucks with Cummins engines, the 6.7 liter diesel from 2013, basically to current. Has there ever been a swath of vehicles that big, all in violation of the Clean Air Act? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think it, the answer probably is no, but uh, I think it's also worth noting that those trucks remained fairly consistent through that range of years in terms of their hardware, particularly when you look at their emissions hardware. So, um, you know, the strategies are being used uh, to control emissions throughout that span have remained pretty consistent. So the question that I think we have, we had Corey Willis on to kind of give us a aftermarket tuning perspective of what he saw. And he said, listen, I've been seeing these trucks in batches, literally 20 of them a day minimum, and I would have picked up on something, and I don't think that Cummins necessarily did anything wrong. My concern is, did they move the goalpost or reinterpret some language that was already on the books or an agreement didn't get re-signed? Because it sounds like to us that the only major difference in emissions hardware is the PM sensor, which went to a virtual sensor during COVID because of supply chain, which my understanding was okayed by the government for that to happen and that it's pretty accurate. Do you have any insight on, on any of that that you could add to the story? Yeah, uh, you know, it's pretty interesting. I think most of what you're you're explaining on there, Sean, is is probably stuff we'll never hear. That's, that's where there's a lot of kind of behind closed doors negotiations going on there. Uh, I think what's interesting in in the language uh, that that has been released from the the DOJ Department of Justice is there, there's really two terms used here. One is defeat devices, and the other is auxiliary emissions control devices. So um, I can talk a little bit about those if you like. Um, the term defeat device, I think when when that term is used, we often think about you know some type of a physical device, but the reality is that software is a device, and there are there are devices within the software. There are multiple devices within the software. There's different ways to um, to control different aspects of the emissions control system. Um, this case, what they're talking about is NOx, high levels of NOx. I think that was the same thing that was going on in the Volkswagen scandal as well. And in reality, there's there's two strategies that Cummins uses on these engines to control NOx. One is uh, the EGR system. Uh, the other is the urea system or the the selective catalyst reduction system. And 
that's the system where urea is injected to uh, to reduce NOx. And, and real quick, so, reminding listeners that Cummins and Ram were the last to the party out of the heavy duty trucks to go to DEF, DEF and, and SER, right? That's correct. So they they uh, started that in 2013, interestingly. And the reason that they came later um, was because they were using a different strategy early on, which I think is is very novel um, and and worth worth noting. Um, they were using a Knox trap methodology. In other words, they had a component or a set of components exhaust systems that, that in the exhaust system that would hold the Knox and then process as heat was generated and different things were happening in the exhaust system. I think that was a novel approach. I think they they struggled with it a little bit. I, I, I don't know the inside scoop on that, but I think that that was one of the reasons we ultimately made the switch. But you're right that, uh, you know, they were definitely um, later to, to use the selective catalyst system. Interestingly, they were using the Knox trap as far back as uh, 2007. And there's some advantages to that. One of the things that we know about NOx is NOx is created when your uh, cylinder temperatures or your combustion temperature is high. So if you can if you can treat the NOx after the fact with a NOx trap, you have the opportunity to potentially make more boost and therefore make more power. I think that Cummins was was probably using that strategy early on as a means to you know kind of take a take a bit of a in the in the horsepower and torque game but uh, ultimately i think they they found a need that to, to make the switch because they couldn't work with that system in, in such a way to to kind of keep keep that ball rolling peter one second here let's remind people what nox is i don't want the gas guys to yep. can get confused and think it's like a knock oxides of nitrogen right particularly and and why does why why does big brother hate it so oxides of nitrogen is is you know, the term NOx is uh, is an abbreviation for oxides of nitrogen. It generally includes primarily NO, uh, NO and NO2, uh, and these are the smog forming components. Here in Southern California, we know that all too well, right? You know, we we all grew up with uh, with smog. We know what what that is, and we've seen significant reductions in that, and that's primarily because the automakers have been um, pressed to reduce the, the NOx output from, from vehicles. Now, in a diesel, uh, well, really in any uh, forced induction application, NOx is, is a challenge because when you're using forced induction, you have higher cylinder pressures. We, we know that when we compress air and when the cylinder is compressing that air, you're going to get higher temperatures and that's going to result in NOx. So um, forced induction, and of course, diesels are king of forced induction, that's when that's when we see the struggles with with controlling NOx. So coming back to the terminology that's being used here, um, when we talk about defeat devices, I don't think I'm 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 very confident that we're not talking about some mechanism that that yeah. Cummins they, installed on they, these. Yeah, engines. they didn't hang a widget off of it and and go, ooh, we're gonna have this little box hanging off the engine that's magically right. going to trick everything. That's not that's not what we're talking about here. 
And they didn't do what Volkswagen did, which I thought was what Volkswagen vehicles knew when they were on the dyno, when they were chassis dyno. And they said, oh, wait, only the front wheels are spinning because it's a front wheel drive car. The back wheels aren't spinning. That tells the ECM that it's on a a dyno and to access a different tune file, a cleaner tune file than it would on the road. So now you're getting into some interesting territory because the reality of emissions testing is that it, the, the tests that, that the OEMs are subject to, and the aftermarket, by the way, those tests are very particular. They exercise the vehicle in a very particular way, and uh, the vehicle, we all know that the vehicle operates outside of those ranges in real-world conditions. The CARB knows that, EPA knows that, and because of that, the OEMs are required to disclose certain things about how that vehicle will operate under conditions that are outside of the emissions drive traces. And that's where this term auxiliary emissions control devices comes into play. So this is a term that's actually very well known within emissions circles. We, we commonly use the, um, the acronym AECD to describe uh, these auxiliary emissions control devices. But basically, all of the OEMs include some um, number of auxiliary emissions control devices in their vehicles, in their software, e- even in hardware. And these, these are strategies that are used to protect components under adverse conditions. And the most uh, obvious one that I can, that I can describe to you is uh, the use of gasoline to cool a catalytic converter when it gets hot. So in, in pretty much every gasoline vehicle that's on the road, the air fuel ratio will drop to a richer mixture under heavy load conditions in order to protect the catalyst from literally melting down. And that is an auxiliary emissions control device or an AECD. In this case, it appears that there were some AECDs that were being employed that were undisclosed to carbon EPA. So the way I interpret that is the Cummins engineers were doing their job. They were they were putting the effort in to ensure that the DPF and the catalysts were all protected under you know certain operating conditions. But in doing so, either the paperwork didn't get done or you know somehow or another it wasn't disclosed to uh, to the agencies. And as a result, they're now suffering the consequences of that. To me, it's, it goes back hmm. to the ideology or the want might outrun the technology a little bit for what the consumer demand of performance is. Think about the horsepower battles and the torque battles that the that these uh, you know the, the big three are in. You know, they're they're constantly trying to one up each other, and in order to do that, you got to have. You got to have fuel, you got to have boost, you got to have, but you've got to control the emissions at the same time. So, so at the same time that you're trying to get more power and torque out of the engine, the emission standards are progressively getting tighter. And, you know, we know, uh, you know, we've seen it when we do uh, emissions work in our laboratory, we see, um, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing those standards get tighter and tighter year after year. And it's amazing what the OEMs are capable of with the, the equipment that they have to work with. So, you know, it's impressive. And, and Cummins made the statement that they are not admitting any wrongdoing. 
and they see no internal evidence that anyone acted in bad faith. So I do think that that and and we don't know the full picture, obviously, but I do think that this this is probably one of those situations where a few engineers were doing their job. They're they're you know trying to trying to keep things in check, and something somewhere in the paperwork something didn't get done correctly, and and now, that made some people. Upset. Now that is a really important point because I think most of the time when you have these big fines levied and a big press release from the Department of Justice, the company who is involved usually comes out and says admits no fault, you know, and it's sort of like, okay, they're they're paying the money or the fine just to make this thing go away and they're willing to pay the money so, and rather than fight it because they don't want the protracted legal battle. They don't want it's cheaper yeah. it's it's you know cheaper to keep her <laughs> as they say. But I don't think people really understand what that might look like if the press release of we're not admitting fault, we don't think we did anything wrong might actually have legs. And and what you're saying here is listen, here's all the the complexities of designing a modern vehicle with the performance that consumer demands and needs while meeting the regulation, you know, or the regulatory hurdles that are put in place by the government. And there's all these little nuances to it. And and everybody knows these nuances are going on. Everybody knows that each of these little things might impact, you know, A and B, but not D and E or, or whatever. They're all aware of it. There's a right way to do it, a wrong way to do it. It could be something as simple as paperwork. It could be something as simple as, uh, you know, somebody saying, oh, this is how we've done it in the past. We're going to do it here. And then not realizing maybe there's a compliance person up the chain that needs to know about it to, to report it. So I, I think the thing to go here is, is, you know, we're not saying, you know, Cummins on purpose cheated the system. And, and Corey said the same thing. He goes, I just didn't see it in the files. I don't think they knowingly did anything wrong. And you're sort of saying the same thing. It's from the looks of it, this looks like it might actually be the case of the company kind of got caught off guard by the EPA and was like, well, wait a minute. All right. Yeah, we'll pay the fine, but we're not going to say that we did anything wrong because we still feel our work is solid. But also, if they right. met the emission standard, Peter, like if they, it sounds like what you're saying is they still uh, complied with the law as far as the tailpipe emissions, but they didn't disclose how they were doing it potentially they didn't disclose how they were doing it to the epa and that pissed them off uh, yeah, i think I'm, it's more a matter of of what's happening outside of the standardized testing so um like i said you know all, uh, everybody knows that that the vehicle you know think about how a diesel pickup truck is commonly used you're towing heavy loads you know <laughs> it just just go out on on the roads, you know, on a weekend like like this weekend. You know, we got you got people heading out to the desert for uh, you know, to celebrate the holidays, and you know they're towing not just at capacity; they're towing over capacity. These vehicles get worked really hard, and you can't simulate that in a laboratory. So you have all these operating conditions that exist. Um, that that can't be tested, but still need to be disclosed. So it's it's in, under those conditions, those operating conditions, that um, all of that stuff needs to be communicated in one form or another to the agencies. And you know, communication with the agencies, it's a challenge, but it's a necessity. And it's that's really you know, kind of one of the reasons that um, that I do what I do is is helping um, aftermarket manufacturers go through that process. Because the communication aspect of it is, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort. So here's a kind of a question, and, and I don't mean this as a, as a gotcha question or anything like that. I'm actually truly curious about it. We know of people in the game, in the industry, who will baseline 
OE vehicles and find out that uh, according to their test equipment, those vehicles didn't pass smog from the factory floor. Is that something that you ever get made aware of at SEMA that you find? Is it something you go back to the OEs and say, hey, we might have a problem here. Our equipment is showing XYZ. Or is it something that affects impacts the aftermarket, guys? Because if the if the truck is barely dirty already and you're trying to set a baseline for these guys in the aftermarket to have a quote-unquote clean product to meet all the regulatory uh, standards, what, what is that interplay? Because we, we know it happens on occasion. I just don't know how big of a deal it is or if it's something that you guys would, would ever flag or, or you're in your relationship with the OE say, this is affecting us downstream in the aftermarket. You should know about this. Yeah. Um, so the answer to your question is yes. We do see things that – cause us to to question um you know to ask questions uh the reality though is that when 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 the oems are certifying their vehicles originally so two things to keep in mind here the the oems do certification in order to sell the vehicle new right um but they also are they get spot checked they get spot checked this is called in-use testing they get spot checked uh, at about one year. I think it's one year, two years, and five years. So you have like these three spot checks that happen. And what happened? What, the way that works is you have the agencies are 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 pulling vehicles in off of the road, and uh, they're doing testing to make sure that over the useful life of the vehicle that it remains within compliance. I got one of those letters, and, Peter, uh, for my TRX. Yep. I was asked to bring yeah. it into a laboratory. It's kind of a laboratory that's a, a competitor to the SEMA garage. And I said, no, nope, yep. I ain't doing it. I wouldn't do it anyway. Yeah, yeah. So there are laboratories, independent laboratories that the agencies contract with to do this this testing, this in-use testing. And it's done with the oversight of the OEMs, but it's done independently of them. And, you know, it's, it's an, an exercise that the agencies are doing. There's, you know, there's a lot of effort that goes into making sure that the vehicles that come in for that testing, you know, they're good representative vehicles for what's out on the road. And, you know, you can imagine, you know, the way that the vehicles get used. And this applies to everything, passenger cars, pickup trucks, you know, light duty trucks, medium duty trucks. Mercedes are, convertibles. Uh, how dare age? you? Hey, when, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> Just saying. I don't know anyone that owns one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> but they, you know, they go through abuse. They go through different types of driving conditions. So you you will see a variety of emissions results. And it's very difficult to, uh, it, it can be difficult to make an assessment based on one vehicle. So so when in-use testing is done, they're looking at a, at a handful of vehicles. They'll bring in, you know, Anywhere from, depending on the, the fleet size that's out in, in the real world, uh, they may bring in anywhere from three to a dozen vehicles uh, of each model to evaluate. And, you know, there's there's so many different um, variables that, that can come into play. Some vehicles are very stable. I mean, over the years, we've seen some that just repeat. And, and, you know, it, it almost seems like you, you can do no harm <laughs> with them, you know. Others are just, they, they tend to fluctuate. And it's a challenge. It's, it, it's a true challenge when we're trying to um, do some evaluation on aftermarket products. Uh, if you start out with a vehicle that is, you know, not in a passing condition or very close to the standard, it's going to make it very difficult to evaluate your, your product. So we often will recommend doing um, emissions, uh, doing a baseline test 
And uh, in some cases, you might actually make a comparison between the the baseline and modified conditions to show that the product isn't having a detrimental impact. So there's there's different ways to skin the cat on that. But to answer your that was a long answer to your question, Sean. But the answer is yes, we do see anomalies. We do see fluctuation and it can be very frustrating at times. Do you ever see products that you're helping to certify actually help emissions? Like, is there something where somebody brings in and says, hey, we're going to make it flow better. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And you hook it up and you go, well, this is this is pretty good. That's an interesting (laughs) one, because I don't think you're you're not allowed to say that, though, are you? Uh, so the, you're not allowed to market is what you're saying. Okay. Well, when you get a carb EO, the carb EO has a specific restriction about advertising fuel economy improvements. And, and it's, it's a little bit of a, uh, uh, maybe a frustration, but, and, or an interpretation thing. I believe that that's in conjunction with the, with the EO, it, as far as the product itself, if if you have a fuel economy improvement to advertise, I, I say advertise it. I mean, it's it's especially if you can prove it with test data. If you're speculating, it's maybe a little more shaky ground to be on. But certainly with test data, um, that's a valid claim to make. No, but what if you're you you bolt on this widget. aftermarket part, this widget onto a vehicle, and now the NOx goes down? Better so you baselined a brand new truck, you put on your part, and now it's better than baseline. Yeah, and and we do get that from time to time. We get people that come through our lab that want to evaluate a product for its emissions improvement. The problem is that unless you're attaching a performance improvement to that, it's that's going to be difficult to market in the aftermarket. You really need in a situation like that if you've got something that that really improves emissions your market your customer is an, is the OEM you got to go you got to take that and sell that to the OEM i thought that you that carb prohibited the marketing of an improvement of emissions over stock because it made it it, it was my my lightning my imper, interpretation that they it would um it would show that they knew that the OEM vehicle brand new could be improved upon if the aftermarket could make it cleaner. You're, you're correct that there are restrictions in in the EO. You know, when, when you obtain an EO, there's restrictions as to advertising e- emissions improvements. The, the purpose behind that is unclear to me. I, I You may be correct in, in your speculation there, but, um, you know, the I think what it really boils down to is CARB does not want to be in a position where they can, it, it could be uh, inferred that they are uh, endorsing a product for, for one purpose or another. So um, CARB is very specific about that. And, and they, they even make it clear that an EO is not a certification. It is an exemption. It's, it's a, a, a means for exemption from the restrictions of the, via, of the vehicle code. So, um, you know, there are, there's a lot that's kind of wrapped up in all that. But what it really boils down to is CARB, CARB makes it very clear that they're not endorsing products. 
Dude, that's so, a lot of ground we just covered. We, uh, so we, <laughs> I feel like, did we answer the question about, I, I like the auxiliary, what was the acronym? The auxiliary? Auxiliary Emissions Control Device, AECD. And what's, what's interesting about this is that um, when we're doing aftermarket work, one of the questions that is asked, that, the, that CARB asks in the documentation um, and in the paperwork is, are you impacting any of the AECDs? And I'll get you know some aftermarket manufacturers saying to me, "Well, I don't, I don't know what is an AECD. Well, how, how can I know if I'm impacting it?" And that's a very that's that's a challenging situation because they, they aren't the AECDs are not disclosed to anyone but the agencies. So we don't have you know a booklet that comes with a vehicle that says, "Hey, here's all the AECDs." That can present some challenges. Can an AECD be a physical device versus an electronic device? It could be. I think in most cases, though, it's strategies. So, for example, strategy if, being uh, electronic, you know, vir- virtual, virtual. Yeah, okay. exactly. Virtual um, software strategies, that kind of thing. Um, I think uh, in, in some situations, like you may need to disregard a sensor reading. So let's say, for example, um, an O2 sensor uh, is, you know, it's reading the, the air fuel ratio and if it's outside of that of its expected range, then it can throw that it would throw an error code, and that'll tell you one of two things, right? Either the engine is running outside of the expected range, or the sensor has failed. But an AECD says, "Hey, when I'm riching up the fuel mixture, stop looking at the sensor for for those few seconds," and oh. you know, so you're basically telling it, "Don't look here for the for the time being." Interesting. So. Do you think, Peter, that we will ever find out the the real situation with this uh, this fine? Like what the what the so impetus? So what was? I think, yeah, what I think will happen is we're going to see uh, some recalls come about, and in fact, Cummins has already been doing this. Uh, you know, they started recalls on some of these vehicles back in 2019, and what I suspect will happen is. Uh, uh, vehicle owners will take their vehicles to the dealership. They'll get reflashed and then they'll have complaints. (laughs) They'll say, I don't have as much power as I used to have, or my fuel economy went down or whatever. And, you know, it could be, there could be things like um, more urea consumption. That one is actually one I speculate we may see is that those customers will come back and say, man, I used to, you know, I used to get, 8,000 miles out of five gallons of urea. Now it's five or something. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be something along those lines is what I suspect. Well, I think in California, I'm pretty sure they won't even let you register your, if you have an open emissions recall, they won't let you register your car. Is that true? Yeah. And so you can pay for it. That's correct. And you can't register it until you do the recall. So all the people that have a mild tune, here's the other question. If they do a software update on the ECM, that will probably render the tune on a lot of these vehicles invalid because they changed enough parameters on it. So now you have maybe let's not even, I'm not even talking about let's, let's pretend it's California and the 14 states that follow California. I'm not even talking about like the the guys who are deleted and all that. I'm talking about the guys who have like a mild tune, maybe a turbo, whatever. Maybe the ones that are skirting the law a little bit, or maybe are just a little bit above, and kind of like it's not so modified as to draw attention to myself, but it's definitely not smog legal. Well, and but then wait a second, you open up this. Like, why would they go to have this recall done? They don't care. They're tuned and they're like deleted because they can't register their car. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. so now hmm. you, they've they've caught you in this in this kind of trap in a way 
where it's like, well, this is an emissions recall, so you, we're not going to accept your registration on the vehicle until you do it. Now a bunch of people are going to probably be looking for stock parts or whatever they can oh to make God. it pass and then go <laughs> back after that. Like I'm just assuming that's that could be a possibility and throwing it out there to our audience. But everybody thought, oh, I have a diesel. I'm done with smog checks you know, or whatever. Uh, or I, I live in a rural area of California that was- doesn't have smog. So I kind of maybe did a few things that maybe I shouldn't have done. And then they get their registration paperwork and says, well, this recall hasn't been done. You need to go to your dealer. I don't know what that's going to look like. Uh, listen, I'm Paul Revere on a horse right now yelling at night. <laughs> right. Uh, and whether you, you whether you heed my warning or not is fine. I got no skin in the yeah. game other than I'm the dude on the horse yelling about it. And I hope a few of you, this perks your ears up and you go, oh, shit. Well, like in Texas, for example, uh, Peter, in Texas, didn't they just do away with smog checks or they, they're they going to be doing away with smog checks? I forget what the, is it January 1 or whatever, but it's it's coming where once the vehicle is, you know, purchased and it's registered, blah, 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 you don't have to go yeah, back. Yeah, but you still got an inspection sticker and stuff on it. The DMV, they have their computer system and the OEM has their computer system and there may be reporting requirements to say that VIN number such and such and such has been or has not been updated to the latest strategy. And one computer system talks to another and says, I can't register this vehicle. So it's a little bit of, uh, you know, it, it's, it's it's technology biting us, uh, biting us, you know, coming back around. On you, us. you thought you thought you were free and clear. Your truck's 10 years old right now. And you get a notice that says, oh, sorry, amigo. You know, or, you know, yeah. uh, it, it you have a, you got a compound turbo on your six, seven. And if you flash it back to stock to get this recall done, yeah, you won't even run right. That's what I'm saying. Is how many people? What's that? Is there going to be a cottage industry of dudes returning things to stock for a little while, and they have all the parts? Or is there going to be? Like, you can't. Yeah, they're I, gone. They're in dumpsters. You, I, I mean, you don't I know see, that. I see guys online all know. the time saying, I, "Hey, where can I get I a know DPF?" A, I know a dude that for a while was stockpiling DPFs for everything. Mm. Okay. It's that way when people come up on, we should, we should interview uh, him. on, on eBay. That guy's sitting on a gold mine. Yeah, right? Yeah. That dude's like, oh, yeah, I, 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 got, I got that. It's going to cost you $5,000 because maybe it's eight from the dealer or something like that. And you're like, oh, crap, right? I don't know, dude. I, I, I'm just saying that for the unlucky few who are the edge case on this, because we're talking about from the OE standpoint and then a little bit of the aftermarket. But if you're the edge case where you fit in that corner where you thought you were free and clear and you love your truck just how it is, and you don't get to register it, uh, that's going to be ugly for a lot of people. You know what? There's someone in Washington who knows all of these answers. Like, they are planning 10 years ahead. It's the same thing they do with the gun industry and several other industries, right? Like, they, they they have strategists who are figuring these things out on how can we get everybody to comply with everything that we want to do. Well, and, and in reality, this isn't just just, you know, hidden speculation. I mean, look at what's going on in California. They're telling us what their plans are. Their yeah. plans are to do away with the internal combustion engine altogether. We don't have to speculate as to as to what they want. They're, they're telling us right up front. Yeah. Hmm. Well, this just got <sighs> super depressing. <laughs> Happy New Year. Twenty twenty four is upon us. Oh, boy. Well, listen, Mr. Peter Trite of the SEMA uh, Emissions Laboratory, we appreciate you coming on as always. Uh, very informative. We love the deep dives with you. And uh, I'm sure we'll be checking in as soon as more, uh, you know, uh, as soon as we have more details about this case. Or, or any of the other ones that are, I'm sure, to come behind it. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the next few that come down the line. Right? Yep. Holy mackerel. 
All right. All right, my friend. Well, it's always a pleasure talking to you guys. Yep. Likewise, right. and you, uh, have a happy new year. Talk to you soon. All right. Same to you guys. You got it. Thanks, Peter. See ya. Homa, do you feel like you're an investigative journalist and we've actually gotten to the bottom of this story? No. <laughs> no, neither do I. <laughs> but but I, I feel like I know we're more little, about it. We're a little it. closer, right? Yeah, I feel like I know more about it now than I did. You know, we may be asking lots of questions about the uh, the Cummins and the diesel stuff going on, but uh, a lot of uh, our listeners over the past year and a half or two years have been sending us also uh, questions, and that is, do you know my note? Come on now, it's time to take a trip down Speedy Lane. We're gonna play an exhaust for you, and nope, we're not insane. Well, maybe a little. Know your note. Come on and cast your vote. Know your note. Get it right, and you can gloat. Know your note. Vroom, 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 vroom. vroom. I forgot how much that made me happy. It just occurs to me that we come out of a serious topic (laughs) where guys are like, it Cummins, they're freaking out, they're losing their livelihoods potentially, and here we are. Can't register their cars. (laughs) Yuckety, yuckster conversation about knowing exhaust notes, but that's the truck show podcast. Listen, that's what we call uh, audio whiplash, Uh and we give it to you. uh, (laughs) Hey, we give it to you 50 times a year, and we're going to do it 100 times this Mm -hmm. year, so you're welcome. All right, uh, this first one, and guys, I know I've been asking for it, and I've been stockpiling all these Know Your Notes, and they just kind of got pushed away because things got crazy and busy, and we didn't do, I don't think we did any last year, and I feel so bad about that. So I'm going to start with this one from uh, our friend Matt Weich from um, March of 22. Oh, my God. (laughs) So what you're saying is we're about to... Know Your Notes. I mean, I hope so. All right, so he says, uh, Light Man and Holing, check this one out. Wait, Light Man and Holing? That's what he says. Uh, Okay. So that sounds big. That's gotta be like a 16 liter something. Freaking huge. That's grumbly. That's that's definitely a big rig. I hear air brakes in it. Did you hear air brakes? Big fan. This has got a big fan. Also, on it too, sounds yeah. like there's a bunch of marbles in the transmission. and say what it is so here's he sent another email i've not read it okay i'm gonna go with something six cylinder big re so size. do lightning and holman know your notes hmm. all right uh matt sends the answer and he says hey guys so this is from one of our work trucks we had in the shop the other day oh a Whoa. work truck. Oh. Well, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> stand up. Oh, <laughs> okay. Wait, wait, hold here. on a second. Wait, wait, what? Wait. Uh, he says, uh, 2019 International HX620 dump truck with a Cummings. Oh, sorry, Cummins. X, G is silent. X15. That would be a 14.9 liter straight six. Damn. With 505 horsepower and 1,650 pound feet in a single vertical exhaust. Hashtag the Jizzalent and hashtag the G really isolent. All right, Matt, we uh, we appreciate that, even though it was like 18 months too late. Uh, this next one is from Trenton Larson from um, 
All the way back in October of 22. Jeez. I know, By guys, the way, I'm so sorry. If you'd like to play this game, we're looking at yeah. doing it more often we will, in 24. We will fit it back in. Yeah. You can, the best way to do it is to record a voice note and then send us that voice note in email or just call us and record it to the five-star hotline, 657-205-6105. doesn't matter how you get it to us. Just get us your exhaust note. Yeah, we want to hear it uh, starting up, uh, maybe revving, turning it off. Like, Let's see if we can figure it out. All right, so uh, Trenton sent this around... Uh, October of uh, 22, and here is the file. Ooh, fuel pump priming. Yep, hear that. Whoa. Diesel for sure. But this diesel... No, that's not a diesel. I've heard that before. Vladdy, what is it? What is... Is this... This is not a Hemi, is it? Well, Hemis tend to be more Blatty, and it's mm. definitely that. But it feels like the idle is too fast. It feels like it's something built but big, like maybe a a Chevy big block or something it's like that. It's got like old school glass packs or Some, something, something on there. Something. Gosh. How big do you think it is? You want to say it's bigger than a 5.7? Oh, I'm going to say, yeah, it's probably, I said Chevy Big Block, so 7.475, somewhere okay. in that way. Maybe, uh, I don't know. This one has me stuck. Dang, that sounds good. Unless, play, play, I, get, unless I get it right. Play then, it one more time. I want to hear it one more time. Yeah, yeah, here, here we go. So he left. It's strong. He left the uh, the recorder by the exhaust, by the exhaust yeah, and it, walked up to it. Yeah, that's a V8 for sure. For sure. But for it's, sure. it's higher revving than I thought it was on my second Lizard. And it's a single exhaust uh, tip. Like, he doesn't have duals, because otherwise we'd be hearing just half the, you know, half the firing. All right. Hmm. I, I'm I'm still going to say uh, American V8. I'm going to go with Big Block, even though I'm uh, not sure about okay. it. Okay, do we? Know your notes. Probably not. All right. I mean, uh, and I have not read these answers. I don't believe you. I know. I have, honestly have not. What is it? It's awesome. It's awesome. 1975 Dodge W200 Power Wagon with a 440 wedge motor Damn. in it. Damn. A Holley Sniper EFI. That's two, why it sounds so good. Two and a half duals. So it does yeah. have duals. Exhaust on there? Uh, yep. And Dynamax Super Turbo Mufflers. He says he's owned this truck since 1996. And thank you for playing. Dude. Solid. I'm going to give us... Two for two. Okay. Right? I, said, I said American. Big I was wrong on brand, although we did kind of, I did say Hemi's are blad, even though this isn't a heavy. Still had that Mopar kind of, I, I, I wasn't right on brand, but I think that's close enough for not knowing, right? Yeah, I give it to you. All right. So uh, this next one. Know your note. He says, uh, know your note, open first. All right, so this one's from Emmanuel Cast. He says, uh, here's a know your note for you guys. Feel free to edit out the bad parts. Also, uh, I sent a second email with photos, and this was sent in July of uh, 2023. <laughs> Thanks. So we're getting, we're getting We've, closer. Uh, a little delayed response. A little delayed yeah, there. Yeah. All right, so here's what we got. Hey, Lightning and Home Man. Emma Ren speaking here. Here's a know your note for you guys. Whoa. What in the world? That's got to be a tractor. No, that's a hyper-tractor. This kind of sounds like my Oddfire V6. Can you guys guess it? It sounds all... Here comes the reveal. Lumpy. It's a 1965... Oh! oh. Hold on, 
I didn't. Well, I hadn't listened to it. 1965. I, I heard that. Okay, wait a minute. 1965. I paused. I paused it because is, uh, neither of us have have read this. Why does it? I know it's not, but why does it sound Volkswagen-y? Uh, Would you give I, me that? Does it sound yeah, Volkswagen? But, but it also sounds like my odd fire. Okay. Like it's it's fire. It's like is it a five cylinder? Is it an odd fire V six? Sixty five. But it doesn't have a new engine. That's the original engine in there, probably, or a rebuild, or or it's a. I've heard that sound before, and <sighs> let's listen to it one more time. Okay, let's listen to it All one right. more time. It's a non-turbo diesel. Oh, interesting. Inner. What had? No, no, it's revving too high for the diesel. Now it's gas. Can you guys guess it? That's gas. Apparently, we cannot guess it. Um. Do we know your notes? No, definitely I, not. I, I don't think we definitely do. Definitely not. Um, it the, the way it sounded, it sounded like a like a low spinning, but then it it revved up. And you know, there's people I listening. Going, you like guys are idiots. This Why? is this feels to me European, right? I'm I'm gonna go with American. I know you you are. Yeah. Well, how many cylinders does it have? Four. I think you're probably right. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Okay. It's a 1965 Datsun 320 pickup truck. Oh! Gas four cylinder! Oh, man. So we... Know your uh, Yeah, but you said European, I said American, and it was neither. It's neither. It's Japanese. Hold on, let's finish. And it has a 1.2 liter engine, all stock, and only has 62,000 miles on the clock. I'll get a Finnegan's Yeah Buddy and a Mountain Parameters. You got it, Emmanuel. All right, Finnegan, yeah, buddy? Yeah, buddy. And I'm out of parameters. Mounted parameters! All right, we got this one uh, from our buddy uh, Trevor Nemiro that He sent us back in uh, July as well. Are you ready, Lightning? Do we know your notes? Maybe. Hey, guys, it's been a while. I got to know your note for you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't fart into the microphone. That was, a, that was zero cylinders. <laughs> Well, no, not as a one cylinder. <laughs> All right, moving right along. I looked at the file; it was awfully short. That is funny, Trevor. Ten points. Yeah, but also uh-huh. don't listen anymore. <laughs> Whoa, that's not right. No, no. <laughs> All right, uh, but funny. Thank you. I mean, yeah, we we are guys. We uh, we do get the humor. All right, so do we know your notes? All right, this one's uh, from July also. Uh, Sam McCutcheon says, uh, this should be an easy layup for Holman and listeners everywhere, but I want to see if Lightning can put the clues together and figure this one out. Answers below. Okay, I've not read the answers. I've not scrolled down. Here's the recording. Here we go. Oh, that was hard. Oh, okay. So, do we know your notes? God. So it's clearly topless, whatever it is. And since it's but the Bronco or a Wrangler, it's got to be one he of those. He said I could guess, so I'm going to say a, a Wrangler. And so it's got it naturally aspirated three six cylinder. I mean, uh, yeah, V six. Yeah. So it's probably a Pentastar. Okay. With some sort of JK JL top down. Super quite exhaust, but, but it has exhaust on it. Okay. All right. Hmm. Want to hear it one more time? Sure, please. Sounds good. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I guess a little, a uh, 
throatier, not super loud. Um, all right, you ready? I'm sticking with the the V6. I'm going Wrangler 3.6 with an okay. exhaust on All right, ready? So, do we... Know your notes. All right, and this is uh, from Sam McCutcheon says, I'm obviously driving top down. All right, got that. On a beautiful summer day in a 2015 Jeep Wrangler 3.6 Pedestar V6. With what kind of exhaust? Equipped with an AFE exhaust and intake, he says. But usually the sonic experience is dominated by wind noise and flapping seatbelts. <laughs> so, all right. Well, we appreciate that, Sam. So are we uh, four for four? Uh, yeah. Sure. I, I would say well, th- we're, we're three for four. Okay. The Datsun, we were three and, and a half. Three and a half. Three, three and, and a half. half. Okay. Out of four. All right. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, and we'd love for you guys to guess along as well. So if there is a... Uh, if there's something that uh, we got wrong or you think you could do better, uh, hit us up. Send us your note. Dude, uh, they've already punched a hole in their dashboard. They knew most <laughs> yeah, of these. Prob- like, probably. Idiots. All right. How about this one from uh, our friend uh, Eric says, Lightning Holman, keep doing the great job in lowering the suckage. Here is a know your note of my, oh, he says what it is. Oh. Uh, yeah. Wrong. Ooh, boo. But I'm going to play for Lightning anyway. Okay. I think okay. the I think the tap so, of the throttle where it settles and idle should be should tell you a lot right there. I feel like that is an LS. What is it in? It could be in anything. Oh, it could be in anything. I mean, I but, but uh, I think the engine's the important part. Okay, here. I think it's I think it's an LS. So do we? Know your notes. Probably not. This might be a half. He says uh, this is a know your note of my '82 CJ8 with a Chevy 383 Stroker engine. Also, a picture of the Jeep in my garage art hood from one of my old Jeeps proudly displaying the TSP sticker. So nice. thank you very much, Eric. Very nice. And uh, that will give us that. So if we're four for six? Four for five. Something like that? There were three. All right, we got two. Four got, and a half out of six. We, we got, I don't know what it is. <laughs> we got two to go. Two to go. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, I'm ready. Okay, this one's from uh, Jeff Stevens, and he says, here are two notes. Cummins. Yep, that's definitely Cummins. Cummins. Yep, but is it a 5.9 or 6.7? I'm going to go with a 5.9. 5.9, yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that sounds yeah, good. I love when they idle themselves to death so we so turn them off. I'm going to say, this is like, I bet you this is like a, what, a 2005-ish, somewhere in there, right? I mean, we don't need to get that granular. I think that we did pretty good on a 5.9 <laughs> Cummins. So do we know your all right, uh, he sends the second note. I don't know if this is the engine sound or if this is him explaining it, so let's uh, go right here. Oh, that's different. V8. Wow. So the first one was the Cummins for sure. Yeah. This is this is a V8. I think it's a V8 as well, but, but is quiet. It a, but is it a diesel? No, it's not. No, no, no. Listen no. again. Not a diesel. Nope, too fast on uh, idle, on startup. Revs it and it comes down. I'm going to say a small block Chevy. You think a small block Chevy? That's what I'm going to say. Okay. Probably wrong. Do we? I'm going to say that I'm going to go with Hemi. All right, uh, Lightning, I would love to tell you what Jeff Stevens' two Know Your Notes are from mm-hmm. November 28th. But he didn't but send us a follow-up email. send us a follow-up email. <laughs> so Jeff Damn Stevens, you. 
Would you freaking send us an email and tell? Because now we're we're curious. We're lost in the world. So we know the we first know one, one's it's, a five nine. It's a we're coming, pretty yeah. sure, yeah. And we we're pretty sure it's uh, some sort of uh, I'm going to say small block V8 crate motor in the second one. Okay. And Jeff, email us back truckshowpodcast at gmail dot com. All right. Uh, one last one. This is from one of our regular uh, listeners, King Gladney. Says, uh, "What's up, Holy Light? Take a guess. This Holy is <laughs> this is a cold start." After sitting for two weeks. All right, so going into it, we should note that this is not his daily driver. Oh, interesting. It's probably something so, special. Okay, so right. do we? Know your notes. High compression. <laughs> Holy crap. What is that? That was awesome. That is, <sighs> that's a small block V8 that has all sorts of racer parts on yeah, it. Yeah, this is a dragster. Nah. No? No, he's a truck so? show listener, and he, he says it's been sitting for two weeks. That tells me he drives it. It's not like mm. this has been in the trailer or my barn forever, and I only take it out during show season or, or race season. I think it's something he loves, but it's it's. I don't think it's rare. I think it just has a crazy, awesome engine in it. And you think it's what again? A small block V8? I think a small block V8. Hmm. Here, one more time. Here we go. Yeah, please. <laughs> Come on, baby. Healthy. All right, well, he uh, sent us a separate email. I do not know the answer. And uh, here it is, opening it up. Whoa. Whoa. We're, we're both off, like, by a long... Sl- no, no, not necessarily, but I didn't I, I didn't think of it this way. He says, that's my 94 Ford Bronco Baja truck with a 351 Windsor in it. Oh, wow. That's rad. We to- that's that cool, thing- but we were so Dude, way that off. that thing sounded way gnarlier Play than a 351. Again. Play that again. A Windsor. Huh. Well, wow. we love it. We love all the uh, Know Your Notes. Uh, Jeff, shoot us an email. Let us know what the heck you sent us. Anybody else, please start sending us your Know Your Notes. You guys know how to do it. Two separate emails, one with the audio file, one with the answer, so that we don't see it when we read it on the air. And you want to send that to truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. And we want to know, do we? Know Your Notes. Vroom, 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 vroom. Yep, we suck. No, I mean, we, we did great. That was oh, awesome. We, I, yeah. we got like four out of seven or something. And like I forgot that. how much I like that yeah. uh, jingle. We haven't done that one in a long time. So, <laughs> truckshowpodcast at gmail.com is how you get a hold of us or lightning at truckshowpodcast.com or holeman at truckshowpodcast.com. Send us an email, won't you? The truck show, the truck show, the truck show. Oh, oh. You can also reach us on the five star hotline, 657 205 6105. And follow us on our socials at Truck Show Podcast, at LBC Lightning, and <laughs> at Sean P. Holman. Yep. And I was I was thinking about how Dave has just been killing it on our socials. And uh, for all of our new listeners. Wait, you're talking about the in? 100% growth that we've seen oh, just oh, in the last, like, three I, months? I'm sorry. What did you say? 100% growth? No, not the 100% growth. Um, let me just pull this up because Dave has been killing it. Lots of reels, lots of engagement, lots of new listeners. Uh 
as we record the show, uh, we're up uh, twenty thousand percent in the last thirty days in accounts reached. Uh, 16,000% in accounts engaged, and total followers are up uh, 265%. So. Here's what I love. <laughs> I can find a funny, like, truck issue. There was, uh, like, a Lear uh, camper shell that was in a an F-150 that was way too big for it, and I thought it was funny. I sent it to Dave. He posts it up. A few minutes later, tons of likes on it. Everyone's engaging. I just, I love that he just gets it. He's like, he's he could not be more one of us. So it's uh, and it just allows me to just be a slug and just <laughs> send along funny stuff that cracks me up. Yeah, no, we've posted it up. We're like, hey, this might be funny, and he's been running with it. And then a lot of times, like I'm surprised, I open up Truck Show podcast and I go, oh, look what we posted. I'm, so. I, I love that we're on this news story right <laughs> yeah, away. Yeah, Breaking news, and here we are. It's really a, a shout out to uh, <laughs> to Dave, who uh, at the end of last year really uh, stepped it up and has been helping us out. So we got to thank him. And uh, listen, we thank all of you guys for listening with us and sticking with us. This is going to be the second year of uh, quote unquote season two. And uh, we're looking forward to getting another hundred episodes out there for you guys. Remember, uh, this episode is our long form. It'll continue to drop on Monday like it always does. And then we'll have a uh, second short form, shorter episode on on Thursdays, and we hope hey, you guys will enjoy them. And just just one second here, people. Don't be freaking slackers. Share the show with your friends, okay? I asked you guys to find your favorite episode and then share it. A couple of you had, I love you, high fives, five stars, but you other, you all you, you know who you are. Stop it. Stop being no, a no, douche. Start it. Start it. Yes, exactly right. You know, I'm going to turn this positive. Instead of be hating <laughs> what, on them, why, why instead are you of like, hating on them, hey guys, I love you. You're awesome. Could you, you so do you're me going a favor? From mean Uncle Lightning to yeah. uh, Lightning, your buddy. Listen, what Lightning's trying to say is I, I'm, share the show. Share Tell your the friends. show. Share it. Share and, it. It's worth it. Like, tag we're us. slaving over this. And like, if you, you have something I mean? cool, some cool content that you put out, uh, tag us because uh, we're on it. Dave's on it. We're, uh, we're making sure that we get that out there. And then also, please send your events. Uh, we want to make sure the uh, truckshowpodcast.com event calendar is up to date with the freshest raddest shows of the season and uh, we've got all the information if you're a show promoter if it's something in your backyard if it's uh, recurring here's a perfect example the promoter of Atlantic City Truck Meet hit us up over DM and he said hey do you mind throwing it up on your calendar absolutely we will so it's up there Atlantic City Truck Meet you'll find on the truckshowpodcast.com events page you click it if you want to get uh, tickets and register your truck to be uh, in the show and, and what have you so we want to be the epicenter of all things truck. All right, so coming up in February, we've got the Mobtown Showdown, February 6th through the 18th, at the grounds in Mobile, Alabama. We've also got the uh, Lone Star Throwdown, February 23rd through 25th. Again, head over to truckshowpodcast.com, click our events tab, and you can see all the shows that have registered for the rest of the year. And since we're shouting people out, we got to shout Nissan. If you guys are looking for an incredible, dependable truck, look no further than the Nissan Frontier. It's sitting in Holman's front yard, and he won't give Lightning the keys to test it out for himself. That's because you could head on down to your local Nissan dealer and test drive one <laughs> You're going to make me do that, really? Absolutely. Just or to you, get the full Nissan experience? Or you could head over to uh, Nissan USA and build in price and, uh, and just dream about uh, what's possible. Okay, so... So what happened when I started talking about the Banks Pedal Monster, and then I hooked you up with one, and you put uh-huh. one in the 392, and you're like, yes. this is rad. Uh-huh. But see, like I, I reciprocate. Like I think I, I have something that's cool, and then I shared it with my man Holman. Mm-hmm. You're not doing the same thing. Like you have something mm. that's rad, the mm-hmm. Nissan, mm-hmm. but you're not giving me any. I, I'm not getting any. I thought you gave that to me for marketing purposes, which I've uh, uh, professed. And also, you wanted me to be able to uh, to uh, enjoy it. I'm not saying that that the wasn't is half the I reason. I don't want you to enjoy it. That's that's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> Dick. <laughs> that's that's not true. Well, uh, you're you not are enjoying insurance. that. So what what did you? How did it 
it change the experience of the 392? So I would recommend anybody who gets a Pedal Monster also get the iDash because you can control it through there. And, of course, you get all the awesome iDash uh, parameters. What I like about it is it's super easy to change on the fly. You just go to zero pedal input by lifting off the gas, and then you can make your adjustment, and boom, it's instant while you're going. I like it because around town, it feels a lot sportier where I can uh, I don't have to dip into the throttle as much to get that kind of immediate response, which is nice for the 392. It feels more like a Challenger or Charger or something like that, and it's really responsive. But then off-road, I can dial it back or even bring it back to stock. Super easy. And that way, the pedal's a little bit more dead for on the trail when I don't want to have the throttle as sensitive, and it just it, it works great. So whether you have a big 392 or you've got something that's sluggish as a snail, like a, an Eco Diesel, head over to BanksPower.com and type in your year, make, and model to find the pedal monster for you. <laughs> what? At least I there having fun. <laughs> I, I think we are. I think uh-huh. we'd have a great 24. So uh, lighting on behalf of me and uh, to all of our listeners, happy new year. Happy new year to you as well. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Truck Famous LLC. This podcast was created by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please open your Apple Podcast or Spotify app and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan, there's no better way to show your support than by patronizing our sponsors. Some vehicles may have been harmed during the making of this podcast. Well, I had a great time today, just not on your show.